Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and the game we play is Alcoholathon. I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. We're the Drunk Guys. Clearly, we win that game every time. Depends how long we play. I mean, we only, you play to win. It's like... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've heard it's a lifelong battle. That's what they say. They don't call it a, they don't call it a game at those meetings. But anyway, <laughs> we're the Drunk Guys, and we're reading Oryx and Crake by Margaret Atwood. Uh, and I'm going to start with this beverage. This is a sour ale with cherry from Finback called Ecosphere, because uh, Ecosphere is the part of the uh, universe where life is. And in this book, mankind has fucked that shit up really badly on Earth, at least, and presumably the universe. It's the only place we know life exists. And uh, yeah, let's try it out. You know, I feel like they need to come up with a new word for sour. That is beers that aren't actually very sour, but they're just not sweet. You know what I mean? Juice. Well, it kind of is, yeah. I mean, this is delicious. I'm not. I don't love the super tart sours. This is great. It tastes like a cherry seltzer almost, but a little, a little, also like a whiny element to it. It's great. So, ecosphere because this book takes place in the. I mean, did we ever get a year? Uh, n- I don't think there's a specific year, but in the somewhat near future, call it fifty years from now. Just far enough in the future that they've invented incredible gene splicing technology, but they still watch DVDs. Yeah. Uh, Somewhere in that gap. Margaret Atwood did not predict the invention of Netflix. She also (laughs) did not predict the demise of the fax machine, because at one point they go into someone's abandoned house, and he's like, there's a computer and a DVD player and a fax machine and a... And a gene sequencer? It's like, yeah. fax machine? <laughs> like, what is that doing there? Well, the gene sequences are too big to be sent as an email attachment, so you have to fax them still. It comes back. And in her defense, fax machines are still not totally gone. Doctor's offices still need them. Doctor's offices and any sort of government bureaucracy, like, oh, no, we can only accept fax. Like, fax? What? The, the paper company that makes that paper with all the holes on the sides has a very strong lobby and they're loud as fuck those things all right anyway takes place in this the future and it's this post-apocalyptic former united states and we follow this story of snowman the father of snow the rapper and snowman (laughs) (laughs) uh he is he's not uh he has actually informed uh some of the people about uh some some business but he lives... He, does, uh, he also looks their boom-boom down. He looks the boom-boom down, yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, whose real name is Jimmy. No relation. No relation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so first thing about this book, the way it's... I, I don't know how you gentlemen would like to do this. It is told wildly out of sequence, memento style. It's like two style. concurrent stories. Like, uh, not concurrent, but like bouncing mm. back and forth... As they each go along. It, it bounces back and forth. The first sec, the sort of like the first chapter, first couple of chapters are from the perspective after the end of the world. And then it's sort of flashbacks who's Snowman, whose name was Jimmy back before the end of the world. And then it flashes back to his childhood and then his adolescence and then his adulthood leading up to how Jimmy accidentally took part in ending the world. Um, and then sort of like, that's like flashbacks, but in between all those flashbacks is old Jimmy, also known as, now known as Snowman, who is literally taking care of the Krakers in this post-apocalyptic hellscape of, you know, just crumbled, digging through trash of crumbled cities, dodging pigoons yeah. and infected people. And so there's a, it's, it's kind of a complicated story. 
Just to clarify, though, we're not talking about the Society of Friends. They're crakers. <laughs> <laughs> they also don't make oat. They don't make oatmeal. Uh, they are named after Crake. We'll get to him later. But yeah, it is super complicated. Reading this book, the first quarter of it, I thought was dreadfully boring because it was just taking place in like one in like two two plot lines like Mm. him kind of hanging around and you're like what do these words mean what's a pigoon and a wolvog and a bandersnatch or whatever you you know all the stupid combined (laughs) words and then him as a in his dysfunctional childhood home and i'm like what is this book and then all of a sudden like once you find out enough it was like oh man this is actually a really great book so by telling it this way we're cheating you out of that experience of the boring beginning. So you're welcome. We should also mention that Nate and I have read all three of these before, and this was Mike's yes, uh, true. cherry popping of this series. Hence the cherry sour ale. Yeah. Also, well, one advantage of had this being a second read-through is you see all the foreshadowing, it, which kind of actually, which makes it a more interesting read, just that, because you know where it's going, and you can pick out what was important from before. Okay, first... Snowman, he's like on the beach, he's clearly, and he's just sort of like, he seems to be entirely by himself, although he isn't, because he's actually taking care of these, what seems like weird pygmy people, except that they're not quite people either, because they're entirely, they're they're herbivores, like they eat leaves and grass, which is weird. They know nothing about sort of what we would call the real world. The real world is gone at this point, so maybe that's not that important. They have these very bizarre mating rituals where you you start to find out that they were that these people were in fact designed this way in a sort of lab genetic experiments in order to be sort of like a more perfect kind of human. So you that's what's sort of like the beginning. It's like what this is weird. And but Snowman is like angry, and they keep asking him questions, and he keeps just like making up stuff to tell them. And then it flashes back to him as a kid, as first a little kid, with a father who is like entirely distant, and then a mother who's just incredibly depressed and is mostly uninterested, except she is, and it just sounds miserable. And his <laughs> only friend is the Rakunk named Killer. Rakunk being a genetic splice of a raccoon and a skunk meant to be a pet. And so like everyone's favorite two pets. Yes, exactly. (laughs) You find out a little bit more about this world that the parent, well, Jimmy and his parents live in a, what's just a compound run by the corpse called, Uh, it was the first one, Health Wiser, which was a fucking awesome name. Uh, No, it was Organink. Organic. Organic. I guess. I don't know. Where his father, okay, his father is one of the top, it's a scientific research facility, but it's inside a self-contained compound where literally like probably a couple hundred people live, something like that, maybe a few thousand. And this is where all the rich, important people live. And what is what we would call the real world, the regular world are called the plebe lands. And it sounds like government has more or less completely broken down. This is, since call it like 50 years in the future from now, uh, uh, global warming has absolutely devastated everything. So basically, there's no real like government that's in charge, even though it's technically the America. 
uh, the corporate and the corporations just have all the power and the really rich people can do whatever they want. So his father is a research scientist and they're working on pigoons, pigoons, which are pigs that have the capability to grow human organs for like human organ transplants. And that's like what they grow there on the farm. They, that, that's what they're, these genetically engineered things. And then one of the earliest scenes is actually Jimmy watching the pigoons be burnt, being like literally like executed or just like killed and then thrown on a fire. Because turns out it's because there is a, a rival corporation like basically created a, a genetically engineered a disease to infect the pigoons and kill them. So they had to be basically burnt before they could, before it could spread to like all the pigoons. Um, and so Jimmy says, before I felt sick, am I going to, are you going to have to kill me too? And the father says, yep, probably. <laughs> and that's how much the father like understands his son. Well, also it's a, it's a recurring thing though. The dad gives him his birthday card after like days after his birthday. It happens like five times in this book, in this book where <laughs> the dad just, you know, just is totally unaware of the kid. And yeah. Yeah. And it's an e-card with pigoons that says like it says may your dreams all come true but it's yeah. like to his 24-year-old son <laughs> kind of you know, yeah kind of lame. So anyway, I have a beer for this. Or this could this could apply to anything in the book, but you know, they're all a lot of the characters in this are mad scientists. So this is called Switch Doctor by Flying Dog. It is an imperial sour. That says apple, I mean, uh, pineapple mango, and it is 10% alcohol. Dear God. So it's a 10% imperial sour. I didn't know imperial sour was a thing, so I had to try it. Good luck. Huh. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what that means. (laughs) Hmm. I'm not sure what that means either. It's not as sour as I was afraid it was going to be. I also don't really get the pineapple and mango very much. It could be that the, like the super high alcohol is making it, it's like really fucking with the flavor. Might be. Also, a lot of sours have kind of more delicate flavors that, you know, that the high alcohol may be kind of disguising. Yeah. I would say I regret buying a whole six pack of these, but, you know, I'm not sad getting one. Well, that one day when you really want to hurt yourself, you're ready. Yeah. I think when you drink the third one in a row, you won't really mind anymore. Yeah. I won't have the capacity. <laughs> They'll start to taste pretty goddamn good at that point. This is freaking juice. (laughs) I would love to see a hammered, belligerent Nate. like, (laughs) motherfucker, get out of my cunt. (laughs) Like yelling at people Whipping balls out the window at strangers. Shut up. Oh, yeah. Your car is making noises. (laughs) (laughs) I have to read these cocksucking books. So can can you whenever you do that can you zoom us again, Nate? Yeah, just just FaceTime us. So about fifteen minutes. <laughs> I want to see. I want to see you get increasingly belligerent over the course of this episode, because Mike and I have done it so many times. It's kind of not even not fun fair. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Nate's thinking about it. <laughs> well, you know what would be fun. You know it would be fun. You know we should thank this beer. We should thank our patrons for it, by the way, because uh, uh, the the fine people who, are, who support us at Patreon really uh, help us to purchase 
these beers without being six packs or other quantities. So if you want to support the podcast in financial terms, head on over to patreon.com slash drunk guys book club, where you can, uh, you know, in return for money, get all sorts of things like early access to our podcast, uh, get tangible goods, uh, exclusive content and vote in our monthly poll. And this was selected by those patrons. So Nate, why don't you, uh, and also most importantly for right now, shout it out on the uh, monthly episode. So Nate, please uh, shout out those fine people. Okay. I'd like to thank Brent, Matt, Doug, Russell, Tyler, Grace, Catherine, Colton, uh, Stephen, Nick, Dustin, Joe, Crab, Michael, Daniel, Amir, Hayden, Mariano, Emotional Support Burrito, CL, and Ivana Cock and Me. <laughs> <laughs> wow, those beers kicking in. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know we had any Russian listeners. That's nice. Very generous $10 right. patron. Well, Spasiba or whatever. <laughs> Spasiba. After that confession. So head on over there if you want to support the podcast. And if that's not your thing, you could also just leave us a review wherever you're listening. And that will also help us out tremendously. So thanks, patrons. And thank you, listeners. So uh, I really want to drink this beer. So we'll just zoom through to the important part, which is eventually his uh, mom leaves town. She just leaves. Steals his his shitty dad. Steals his pet. Says, I got to get out of town, kid. Sorry, life sucks. But, you know, whatever. And he no longer has any friends because his... His rakunk was his only friend. But eventually, a new kid m- moves to town. And his name is Glenn. Because they say, well, why do you have two ends? He's like, what does it matter, man? He's like, good point. But then for the rest <laughs> of the book, they just call each other by different names. Because they learn to be friends. And then they play a lot of very weird computer games. Some of my favorite names of computer games, though, like Three Dimensional Waco, I've loved that. Barbarian Stomp, and Quick Time Osama. So these are all clearly supposed to be violent games, I guess. Though Three Dimensional Waco sounds hilarious. It, it sounded like one of the games from uh, Brave New World. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> like centrifugal centrifugal bumble puppy or something like that. Was <laughs> yeah, that's elevator that's, squash. That's a fantastic game. But the game they really love to play is Extinctathon which honestly sounds like a terrible game. It's just trying to list the Latin names of animals that are extinct. It's a which trivia are game. most animals at this point. Uh, and that's where they get their names. Thickney for Jimmy, though they never really mention it much again, and Crake for Glenn, which he will become known as forever. But in, that's because they picked those animals because, you know, reasons. But another animal they could have picked is <laughs> Schindleria prematurus. Honey, DDA, JPA. This is the most elaborate setup. <laughs> I saw a beer with the Latin name of a fucking animal. I was like, that's good to go, baby. <laughs> Schindleria prematurus is a species... Oh, it's actually Schindleria prematura. Is a species of neotenic goby. So it's a fucking fish. But this is a... Is it extinct? Not at all. No, probably not. I just Googled it. it uh, it's also a song by Yes... But hopefully that. they're extinct. <laughs> they do extinct. Yeah, they suck. Uh, <laughs> but this is a honey like, no. DH IPA <laughs> from Single Cut right here in Queens. And it is 7% honey IPA. Let's see what it's like. It is, it is uh, actually listed uh, as its con- conservation status. The Schlindleria prematura is listed under least concern. So just... Eat those away. Like, no yeah, one's going to give a it, fuck. They're probably, like, not even, like, edible. They're probably, like, really, really tiny. I don't know what a goby is. Most gobies are very small. I thought it was small. a desert. No. 
That's a different desert. It tastes like a uh, slightly bitter. It's not. It doesn't taste that double dry hopped at all. It's all right. It's it's much bitter than I thought it would be. It's not crazy bitter, but you see, you hear like honey double dry hopped IPA. You figure it's going to be juicy, but it's uh, it's as dry as a desert, like a gobi. It's fucking the pun game at single cut is really deep there. It's. I have to. I can it's never really pick dads. the beers because their names are just so fucking elaborate, and sometimes I'm not even sure which is the name because of all the words happening in small letters on the we side. We have fucked that up sometimes. We have done that, but it's uh, pretty good. So, not, so this part in the book was where, um, and I was trying to plow through it, and uh, I, I, you guys had said this book was short, but it's a long, basically 400 it's pages. Dense. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. so it's I, shorter than uh, we were the Mulvaneys. So, like <laughs> in comparison. <laughs> This is like a comic book. But not much faster of a read for me for some reason. It really took me a while to get into it. And I was reading at night and I was kind of like half dozing. And I'm like, all right, they're fucking playing these fucking games. They're playing Age of Empires, but in the future. Okay, whatever. And then all of a sudden it takes a wild turn. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, what is this? Did I, Is this the right book still? Because then it starts talking about they're watching... They're on like the dark web, basically. <laughs> That's what Margaret Atwood predicted. They're watching like mm-hmm. live executions. Do you think that her Twitter name is Margaret Atwood? That would be. I really hope it is. First of all, the at has to it's, be at the beginning. Well, and she, I don't the Margaret think is at have Wood, comma at Margaret. <laughs> it's like the way it appears on like at your driver's license. Underscore Margaret. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that you know what we should recommend that to her. I'm sure she'd listen. <laughs> we have tens of so, followers. Extinctathon, major foreshadowing, but also the other things that they're actually, but they get bored of the games, and so they are on the dark web, and they're looking at, so first there's the nudie news, where it's just naked people that read the news. That's a real thing. Um, they're staying informed. Yeah, that is I actually a real thing. I watched that Were in 2003. <laughs> <laughs> that was a show on the Playboy channel that my pervy dad subscribed to, and we had that. We're like, <laughs> Whatever. I was in high school. Like, all right, there's boobies. And they just read the news and took off their tops. And like, only in it. Thank God, America. But apparently, it's been in other countries for much longer. So that's a real thing. They're watching, like, live executions. Which is live leak. That's a thing, very, too. Very bleak. <laughs> One is, like, frog stomping. Like, that's only in there for a second. Which is also on YouTube. Like stomping on a... Fr- I mean, not surprised. YouTube has a huge problem with people uploading videos of them killing and torturing animals and them just being like, uh... We didn't know. My uh, <laughs> my mom's... You know, my parents' generation, our parents' generation, Nate's generation, uh, when, they were, <laughs> when they were growing up, like, it was a very common thing, according to several uncles of mine, to torture frogs. And... Uh, frogs fun- in particular? Well, I think they were like easy to catch and you'd put a firecracker in its mouth and watch what happened. And that was the thing. same thing every time. <laughs> oh, yeah. But like maybe what if you put two? I don't really know. I mean, <laughs> it's pretty horrific. I really don't know. I think it's an elaborate way to go. But I guess they were all, you know, had one leg of that triangle of uh, serial killers. So the McDonald triangles that we talked about it before. McDonald's triangles. It's something like that or triad. You know what I'm talking about, Nate? These are the... Um, the, the three things that... All, it's a McDonald's triad, yeah. Hamburgling. <laughs> Grimacing, <laughs> often. <laughs> and gout. <laughs> it's the three, it's the three like, 
characteristics that's common or not to every, but to many like serial killers or sociopaths. I don't remember exactly what it is, but it's like bedwetting, arson. And McDonald's like the fucking psychiatrist or psychologist, whatever, who figured this out. Oh, okay. So it's like bedwetting. uh, Billions and billions. uh, (laughs) Killed. (laughs) (laughs) Severed. That's just one letter away from search. Uh, bedwetting, arson, and torturing animals are the three criteria that is very common, apparently, to, you know, like late late age bedwetting to psychopaths. I think it's probably not quite that simple, and this has sort of been, you know, diluted over the years to get to shitheads like us, but it's... (laughs) So everyone was was already one step there in the 1950s, apparently. Yeah. Nate, what was that like? Wild time. (laughs) Uh, So at this point, so the, the... Jimmy and Crake are also watching actual child pornography, which seems to be like kind of normal. Seems like it. Apparently, a lot of porn on, you know, the standard porn websites, not even like venturing very far into the, you know, looking for it. You get some very questionable things, apparently, that now. Well, in this book, it was, she was clearly like eight. So. True. Yeah. No, yeah, this is extreme, but. I guess Mark. I mean, let's talk about Margaret Atwood's influences later. But yeah, they're they're watching, and they're like not only like watching it, but they're like bored. Like this is what they do. Like oh, let's watch some kid porn at <laughs> what is it, like hottots.com or something yeah, like that. Hot tots, which confused so many potato enthusiasts. Gotta <laughs> 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 have my tots. Straight out of the oven. Uh, so <laughs> this person who they're about to see. In the in the child born as an as eight year old girl, is becomes a, a character in the book and is in fact Oryx becomes it's just called Oryx who you is a character in the book. So what you so you're getting these things like where she is telling Jimmy about what that was like at that time, but you don't know how that possibly could have become a thing yet or how they could have met yet. You don't actually find that out till quite a bit later. But anyway, so she describes essentially, you know, being in some, born in some village in Southeast Asia. And then when she's very young, you know, six, seven or eight, literally the family has to like sell their children for money. First, it was just basically Slumdog Millionaire and the children just have to like sell like flowers on the street or just basically panhandle on the street. But... I was picturing that the whole this whole section. I was like, right? It is but I couldn't put it. There. I was like, this seems so familiar. <laughs> to figure out what it was. Great movie, by the way. Also based on a short story, I believe. Oh yeah, quiz show, or whatever. That's uh, I think twenty questions or something like that's called quiz show. Uh, twenty questions was the game, right? Oh, it was twenty questions. It was a millionaire now. in the movie, but it's like, but it's in rupees, so it's like eight trillion rupees. Yeah, supposed <laughs> to be a trillionaire. <laughs> All right, so yeah, so that's how it starts, Nate, but then what happens? So, um, but she, but this girl, who's, we'll just call her Oryx, even though she, we don't find out what her name was at the time, she just is, she's just really pretty. And I, you know, realizing what I'm saying uh, as I'm saying it, so. She's precocious. She's, the, the first thing is that her uncle, the one who buys her, it's not actually her uncle, is basically, she's used as, bait out on the street for like creepy old men to be like why don't you come up to my hotel room little girl they didn't have to catch a predator in india yet or whatever yeah. <laughs> they actually never say like they, they, they say like they say. cambodia she, laos vietnam they're never really specific but it also says indonesia at one point and 
Yeah, it's some one of those countries. Though at this point in the world, those might not exist. But also, it's like maybe it's like she's ethnically ambiguous. Like I really don't know why she is. She is ambiguous, and so she's told if if a man ever asks you that, you must say yes. And anyway, she so she goes and he does it. She describes being brought up to the hotel room and the creepy old guy taking off his pants, and then the uncle, quote unquote, uncle bursting in and saying, "Oh, this is my." My niece, how dare you do this to her and blah, blah, blah. And then basically gets the guy to give him a whole bunch of money. And this is, this is his con. This is what he does. Beats selling flowers. And then also profit. then at some point, that guy, I forget the guy's name. The uncle, uncle N or something like that? Uncle N. Yeah, something like that. He gets murdered and the kids get kidnapped and are sold to what is basically, then they're sold into child pornography somebody basically buys them and uses keeps them more or less locked in a hut to do this child pornography anyway jimmy not our jimmy but the one in the book not is necessarily real specific here <laughs> this one's not me <laughs> immediately when he sees her and she's you know eight years old is immediately like mesmerized by her and is kind of and is obsessed with her and gets Craig to like print out the frame, print out the the picture of the frame of the movie, and he like keeps it. Well, Craig saved a lot of them, so it wasn't like this was a one off for Craig. But 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 Jimmy saves it for the next decade. This like grainy laser printed mm-hmm. picture of a child tra- sex trafficking victim. So this big section of the book is really describing the sex trafficking. But when you actually when she actually like speaks about it, isn't She's strangely not bitter or angry, and Jimmy is more angry about it. And and Oryx is like, oh, Jimmy, that was before. I'm here now. She also never gives him a straight answer for things. Also true. And she's like, you know, she's very coy or something. You know, he'll say, did this happen? You never answered my question. She's like, oh, but I did. And he's like, huh? And then she, but he'll set this point later. Whole pizza. Later on, you you realize that he's banging her. You know, she's not eight anymore. She's she's eighteen, so she's barely legal. But in in the in the legal on the right side of the law at this point, and he's banging her, uh, getting this, you know, and talking to her. But you don't find you know again because the book's totally out of order. You you put this together over two hundred pages. You get little drips and drabs of it. So Jimmy and Craig are friends at Healthwiser High because. Uh, Jimmy and Craig, both their parents, both work for his new company called Healthwiser, which is hilarious, though I wish she had spelled it like Budweiser. That would have been <laughs> really funny. Yeah. She has a habit of spelling everything in this, like all the sci-fi names and like company names. They're all spelled like people typed on AIM in 2003. A new you. Yeah, they're all like <laughs> kind of phonetic. Well, well, you have to admit the names of like tech startups are pretty fucking stupid. Yeah. And yeah. so that she got entirely right. So uh, th- their friends, Craig is a like genius scientist, genius at science, but is clearly a sociopath. He's like Dr. Osmandius from Watchmen. Like he's just like strangely yeah. detached. From I think the it's just world. Ozymandias. You're combining Doctor Oz and Ozymandias. Oh shit! Is Doctor <laughs> Oz's name is short for? <laughs> yes. Oh, you're right, Ozymandias. You're right. But yeah, he's like 
he's like, I am above this, and I see the real solutions, and they are he's, pod he's, people. He's also he's like a he's autistic, kind of. He's oh like yeah, he's on the spectrum. Aspergers. They 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 mention it that he definitely is. Well, later on, way. he goes to the super nerd college, and they call it Autism U. Yeah, where <laughs> <laughs> no one bathes and they just do science. So then becomes a then begins a long section that reminded me of the Goldfinch, where. They just kind of hang out and smoke pot and, and well, yeah, because he goes to uh, Jimmy goes to uh, dance college. <laughs> he has basket. He gets his degree in basket weaving. He goes to a humanities school. Yeah, <laughs> he goes to the Martha Graham Academy. Martha Graham is a probably one of the most famous choreographers uh, to ever live. I only know this because my sister is a dancer, and Graham is one of the techniques they still teach. Yes. I, I only know about it from that one scene in the birdcage. <laughs> Twyla. Twyla. So Jimmy goes to, uh, well, he goes to basically like last chance, or he, go, he goes to art school, basically, because he doesn't do good in, in high school because he's just, he doesn't try very hard and he's not very smart. Uh, while Craig goes on to like what is equivalent to like MIT. The Watson Crick academy or something like that it's like real yeah. subtle real subtle <laughs> they're at um hippie school he's good at words and he wants to be, maybe go into the only viable major there which is problematics problematics which is basically just advertising or propaganda uh because he has a really big lexicon oh shit Look at that. A real connection where no one laughed at me. <laughs> <laughs> We're still just wor- worrying about you in the kitty porn section. <laughs> this is Lexicon from Finback, and it is a drink. <clears throat> 6% IPA. It's good. Yeah. Pretty straightforward, you know, hazy, ju- juicy IPA. But how do you feel? Your quest is always to find the lighter alcohol ones that are the full flavored. How's this rank? That's true. I say this is up there. It's up there. If you told me this was like 9%, I'd be like, oh, really? Okay, I could maybe. But it's it's probably among the top two or three of that realm. I don't remember what the other ones are, but I know there was another one that I had that was like, this is probably as good as it's going to get. This one's also probably, thus far, as good as it's going to get for a 6% single IPA. The the one from Evil Twin Tomorrow, the quadruple I, dry hopped, is a 6% IPA. Got to try it. It's called LOL. Just lol. Because <laughs> they okay. said it's in response to all the feedback they get from trolls on the line. Yeah, lol. That makes sense. <laughs> I will try to order it before back. That it could also work for almost any book. It's true. So he's uh, living up at college. He's banging all kinds of uh, art ladies. Or oh, all just damaged. <laughs> yeah. Well, some of them are from plebe land. His roommate like burned his shoes because they were fake leather and... Then he moved out to get a single room so he could just clean up because he probably wasn't the only guy that like wasn't like a hippie art student. He just like I just trying to get by and bang some ladies because I'm empty inside. He was like a he's like it's it's maybe maybe this becomes a thing later or it's not important, but he's like a sex addict. So like this guy's fucking everything oh, yeah. constantly. Yes. I'm sure there's some, you know, psych one oh one shit about how he's Trying to fill all the emptiness in his life with vagina. The emptiness in these women. Yeah. It's a, uh, you know, like cures like. <laughs> Is that a fucking uh, uh, homeopathy? Homeopathy, yeah. Yeah. 
Just like homeopathy, this doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but eventually, he goes to visit Crake at um, MIT, the, the new class. school, the new class. And he's like, wow, this place is better in every single way. You don't have like asbestos in the urinals thrown and into your mouth. Cockroaches, like tons of cockroaches. It's that dirty. Instead, at the other school, it's just the students that are dirty because they are all just something's... They're all hyper nerds, geniuses, but like any comic con or board game convention, <laughs> the air is thick with stench. Yeah, they're just they're incapable of actual human interaction. They just nerd out. And there's one point where this guy's like, "Can you explain to me what's funny about this girl's shirt?" Because they're wearing, you know, nerdy graphic tees. And he's like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Let me I'll, first. I'll have to explain to you about string theory." And then I'll have to explain this. And he's like, and then he finally gets to the end of the joke. He's like, oh, I get it. All right, thanks. Like, it's just not. I mean, it's kind of funny. He's like, oh, so what she's basically saying is, you, if you want to fuck me, you have to have the right dick, but you don't. So goodbye. And he's like, that's it. He's like, wow, that's that dick does not exist in this plane of existence yeah. or something. We couldn't have done that simpler. Like, you have a dick the size of a string in theory. Like, <laughs> like why do they have to go all out like that? Your dick is approaching the limit of my patience. <laughs> it's asymptotic. It's almost zero. So we can make our own shirts off these. I smell merch. <laughs> math jokes Just, on shirts by people who don't really get the math. <laughs> <laughs> so then this, you know, he's like, oh, this place is cool. But then they kind of break apart again. They don't see each other for a while. And Jimmy works, you know, selling, writing ad copy for this sham company that sells like weird because his like his like thesis was about self-help books in the 20th century and he made them all up he made some of them up some of them were real he would work in fake ones and no one ever called him on it because the academic standards at dance university were so low that they didn't give a shit yeah he was it was a school where they had actual books still and yeah i was like like wow they've got books and some of the books had mold on them and I'm sure there's some sort of message here, but later on his first job is he is supposed to tag which books to get rid of and which books to keep or something, digitize or whatever. And he's like, I, he, he got fired because he wouldn't throw any of the books out. <laughs> <laughs> he lost that job. But he has this you know, dead-end, thankless, shitty job that everyone there is miserable. And it's just a terrible place where he writes ad copy for products that don't really work that promise to like get rid of your wrinkles and shit like that and he's good at it so it's like most uh health supplement businesses now oh yeah he said he even tried one of the like hair loss pills he was like i wrote the ad copy on it and it was so good the (laughs) copy was so good i tried it myself didn't do anything so yeah he's selling like saint john's wort but in uh 22,100 over here it is <laughs> and he gets depressed because he's like he's just like the side piece to every woman <laughs> like everyone's he has, he's banged every married woman in the entire compound uh he's he's putting the pound in compound by banging all these women on the side and he's like can't we just like i want to be with someone i'm lonely and he's like, and they, why don't we run away together to the plebe lands and they're like oh jimmy yeah thanks like, i don't want to no. do that i don't want to be uncomfortable and poor uh, so Jimmy's mom ran away when Jimmy was like seven, yeah, <laughs> yeah. six. How and old were you, Jimmy? <laughs> about then. <laughs> and every few years, the Corpsicore, 
who are the guards for the corpse or the corporations would come visit him because his mom ran away and joined like a today we would call antifa but at the time was a radical a domestic leftist terrorist group anti they're like, uh, like the weather underground yeah actually the symbionese liberation army <laughs> oh so she's patty hearst is that what this is because this was happening i, I know she's was not meant to be uh, and yeah. then she joined those motherfuckers. Well, this and then lady she ran, yeah, her mom, his mom ran away to join. And she stole yeah. his fucking raconte. Yeah. Brought, That's why. She, <laughs> I, hope that, I hope like the whole, like everyone talked in like these combined words. And I was like, God, your mother's a, a wakunt. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just running away and leaving me here. He sees, so he like will occasionally get a postcard that says it's from like, Aunt Martha or something like that, but he knows his mom. Uh, he once sees a, sees a news clip uh, after the bombing of the Washington Monument, and they were bombing it on behalf of the coffee growers because a corporation had invented a like coffee bean tree that where all the beans ripen at the same time put everyone else out of business. Anyway, so it's it's very much like radical leftist terrorism, but then. That's when he was, that's when Jimmy was only, you know, like 12, 11 or 12. And it's like, oh, so she is still alive. But at this point, now that he's like 25, they, the corpse of they come get him and they show him a bunch of clips. And one of the clips is clearly his mother's execution by the firing squad. And his mother says, remember me, Jimmy, and remember Killer, which was the name of the Rakunk. So kind of proving that it was definitely his mom. And that she was saying it directly to him. Even though he doesn't let me down. And so after that, he kind of goes into a funk. But then Crake shows up at his place of work, which was called uh, A New You. But it was all O's. A New. It's like a ghost talking. (laughs) Where they sell sell all the um, (laughs) fake medicine. Sell the the fake medicine. But anyway, so (laughs) Crake. Corny goat weed. (laughs) Crake, who seems to have. Figured, heard, found out that his mother was killed and that Jimmy was sad, literally comes to his compound and says, hey, let me take you out bar hopping in the plebe lands. Let's do some whoring. Yeah, that too. And gives him a pill. That'll be important later. Craig says, why don't you come work for me at my company where we're doing actual science in developing actual medicines that will help people. Oh, earlier... Much earlier in the book, Crake's father had died where he had mysteriously fallen off an overpass into oncoming traffic. Onto some bullets. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Crake, because, and this is sort of like, sounds like a conspiracy theory. Well, it is a conspiracy theory, except in this sort of universe, it sounds entirely plausible, which is the pharmaceutical companies, they're kind of, because they've kind of cured everything, they're going to lose a lot of money. So what they're doing is they're actually also developing new diseases at the same time that that they're developing the cures to these diseases. And they're just randomly and periodically, literally like infecting people and having it spread out in the plebe lands just so the, you know, pharmaceutical company or these, the corpse can come up with a brilliant, brilliant cure and then make a lot of money. Just like Bill Gates. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And they're turning the frogs gay. Oh, no. <laughs> Crake says, why don't you come work for me? We're developing this thing. And the thing they're developing is the, like, 
Super Viagra. Yeah, it's just it's just <laughs> Mega Viagra. But he tell he, he hires uh, Jimmy, and he's like, Jimmy's like, dude, I can't even wash the toilets at that place. Like, I am a, I'm dumb. And he's like, don't worry, I have a special job for you, and we'll find out what that. He has a special job plan for him. We'll find out later. And so you'll do the ad campaign. So they're developing this Super Viagra, but they they've also have this set of or they've this small group of genetically engineered people. Oh, I have a beer for this. Tell us about the people while well, I pour this beer. So the people who are just called Crakers um, for basically the whole book, they're the people that we described at the beginning where they're clearly not regular people. And a lot of the book, Jimmy is talking to Crake. Crake is always talking about how awful people are because of their many flaws, especially around, you know, love and sex. And so... These, these people are meant to be like, they're literally meant to be showroom floor models so that really rich people who come in and say, we want have to have a genetically, we want, we want a child, our child of ours to be genetically injured, to be amazing. They can show these genetically engineered people and see, look at this cool stuff we can do. Okay, now what do you want? So that is the purpose of them, except they also have clearly another purpose. And so these people, you know, you could, you could, tailor make your kid uh you just gotta select and each one there's probably some assembly required and this beer is called some assembly required from finback it's an imperial stat with chocolate cinnamon and ginger coming in at a modest 9.2 percent alcohol chocolate cinnamon and ginger yeah the ginger smell is really intense and i'm not a fan of ginger she was my least favorite of the spice girls and also, the flavor I don't really care for. <laughs> Going for like a chocolate gingerbread cookie vibe, because this did come out around Christmas time, I think. I don't love this. Yeah. I don't really like ginger. I don't know. How do you... Maybe, maybe it's an acquired I mean, thing. I love ginger beer is incredible. Because it tastes like root beer. You know, it's no, ginger beer doesn't taste anything like root beer, because root beer sucks, and ginger beer is awesome. Though I'm not sure it tastes like ginger much, either. It's like same. ginger ale. I like root beer and ginger beer, but they're, they're really they're not similar. the same. But I haven't really liked ginger in beer. I like it in Chinese food. <laughs> I like it in no, I mean ginger. I ginger's great. I like ginger, but I have tried. We've tried a couple of beers where it was just like beer. Maybe it was a stout, or maybe it was something. But it also had, but it had ginger in it as one of the things. Wasn't a fan. Oh, well, that streak continues. This is, you know, I was just talking to Eric at Finback trying to secure the next keg of beer to you know make sure my liver doesn't shrink back to normal size <laughs> and he's like oh we have these stouts and what this was one of them i was like nah nah i'm okay no thanks dude i bought this for normally if it's like a four pack if i buy one four pack of something and we don't use it on the podcast within a week or two i'm like ah, i'm just gonna delete that from the list and drink it now <laughs> no one will know this has been around for a while because i had no interest in uh in drinking him not my favorite thing but if you like ginger is it is it quite quite present on the, in there? Like it's like wow, there's ginger in this. Oh, oh yeah. Like you, you could. That's the only thing I smell is ginger. Oh, okay, not my favorite, but you know whatever. So yeah, they have to assemble the. They're going to assemble these ostensibly. The crakers are there to show the the power of what they can create. Between that and the boner pill, they could do everything. <laughs> and wherever this place is called. 
So the the Krakers are genetically engineered to basically look like full adult people, but only in like four years. Because Crake says, well, who, what other species wastes 18 years on just, you know, like growing up? But yet these people, they're being literally in this like self-contained, like I'm imagining like biodome kind of thing. Yeah. And the person who was there... Ecosphere? Yeah, ecosphere. There you go. (laughs) Uh, The person who was there to basically be the like human liaison to these sort of new, this new race of people is Oryx, where Crake found her and through... It's too complicated to get Everyone's into, favorite child porn star. Like, Crake found her and brought her in, and he and, and Crake is in love with her, but doesn't notice when she immediately starts fucking Jimmy. But also, Jimmy pretends to not recognize her. Org's like, don't you remember her? And he's like, mm, I don't... We watched a lot of kitty porn. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but he's been carrying the picture the whole time, and he's like, oh, God damn it, it's really her. It's a really weird... Very Love triangle. So finally get to the last, not 100 pages, probably less than 100 pages, to the part that actually, like, kind of matters. Craig has been talking about, you know, the evils of humanity pretty much his entire life and dropping a lot of hints. And this is where suddenly after Jimmy is more or less put in charge, not in charge, but in, like, second command, it's like, oh, if anything happens... Craig says to Jimmy, if anything happens, Jimmy, I want you to be, I want you to keep this place running. It's like, uh, and what will you take care of the will you take care of the Krakers for for me and for us? Just just making sure they're okay. Uh all right. We should also mention that um the science team he has assembled here is all, made up of all the grandmasters of the Extinctathon game they've been playing on the internet, and which Craig has discovered that these people who are all super nerds at naming different kinds of dead fish also <laughs> are all super scientists and they have been operating sort of an online underground bioterrorism cell thing where they're doing attacks against the corpse and stuff like that. So he's like, I could use these people to build my weird herbivore hot people that are multicolored. Which we never you mentioned their uh, their mating ritual thing where they get you know big blue dicks and <laughs> after like baboons. I've heard of blue balls before. That doesn't seem like solving the problem. They're simultaneous dancing penises, and they all run the train on the female. So that While no the one other knows who the dad cheer. is. You know, it's moral support because they they live on a commune, and they're all like the child is everyone's. Well, the other three guys are just, you know, got really sticky wieners. <laughs> oh, damn. But isn't that a thing in certain, um, like, primate uh, populations? But no bows. Yeah, where they just about. fuck everything, right? And they're like, oh, who gives they a like shit? They, like, suck each other's dicks and, like, go down on each other for fruit and just bang each other for fun. That's, like, what they do all day when yeah. they're not out Living the dream. Yeah. Pretty much. By the way... Bonobos are basically the chimpanzees are thought of as the most close relation to humans in the, it might actually be bonobos though. Cause they are so close with chimpanzees and bonobos are it's so like point one or point two closer in terms of common they're both, DNA. They're both like 99% the same. They're not the exact same 99% DNA because there's some important differences between they're the two, but a little bit different, but they're both very, but they're very closely related to chimpanzees and therefore to us. 
after Jimmy's kind of been there a while, this terrible, awful pandemic happens in the plebe lands. Read a lot differently this time. It did, definitely. <laughs> but it, this one is a hemorrhagic fever like Ebola, of which the symptoms are like bleeding from the eyes and then you immediately die. Your, your insides are just liquefied. Yeah. This is spreading everywhere. And it's a worldwide pandemic. And uh, and pretty much everybody dies from it. Now, Crake, who was not there at the biodome at the time, neither Oryx and Crake, they were both gone. They were both out. And they kind of come back and Crake comes in and basically says, Jimmy, you've got to let me in. You know, I'm here. I'm back. You've got to let me in. And Jimmy knows, like, you, you made this. You created this. And Crake is holding Oryx, and she's, like, unconscious. And when Jimmy, when Crake, when Jimmy lets Crake in, Crake immediately slits her throat. And so Jimmy then shoots Crake, like, because he's got a gun. He shoots him and kills him. Well, he says something like, you know, there had been conversations I had earlier where where Craig was like, would you kill someone you love to spare them from pain and stuff like that? And he's like, you know, I just thought that was a weird hypothetical mm. conversation we were having. But he was kind of feeling him out. Like, this is this had been Craig's plan all along. You know, that he knew that Jimmy cared deeply for Oryx and that that would be a way to get Jimmy to kill Craig because Craig somehow couldn't kill himself, I guess. I don't know. That part I don't really understand. Yeah, I wasn't exactly sure why he did it, why Crake killed Oryx, but anyway, and so then that sort of like more or less brings you up to the present day or or what really happened is, and then Jimmy, after like sort of being locked in the biosphere for several weeks as the rest of the world, or a month or two, as the rest of the world absolutely collapsed and basically everyone died of this disease. And the food in the biosphere is kind of running out. He's like he decides to take the Krakers and like break out and bring them to basically the ocean because they're somewhere on the East Coast, like taking them to the sea. And just so they have some place to live that's not in the middle of this urban hellscape. But these Krakers, they don't know anything. They've, because they've, the only like real person they've ever met was Oryx and they have no idea about the real world. And they've been fed this, this like sort of thing, almost like mythology so Jimmy, like, okay, everybody got to follow me. They've been fed so it by him. Do. He's been making it up. He you know? has, And yeah. one, one of the things that Craig wanted to do, because Craig is, you know, such a scientist. He's like, well, religion is an irrational thing and is stupid. And we should get it, we bring a, get it out of their brains. It's not even there now. But then there's a hint earlier at, at one point where Oryx is like, well, they did ask who made them. And I said, Craig made them. And he's a nice guy who doesn't want you to eat meat on Fridays. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, wait, that's religion. Uh, so they inadvertently create a religion for these weird people things. They worship Crake and Oryx. And, and, and Snowman has, off, off page, has elaborated on this over the intervening months or years or whatever, the, how long it's been. I don't know if, if it's clear how long it has been. I think it's been a few years. I got the impression it was more like a few months. Maybe oh, it was a few he, years. He, I feel like he was he was pretty haggard in yeah. his description. And, and, and the, the amount of decay that everything had undergone. It's true. So the only other part of the book we haven't really talked about is sort of after this, there's this long description of Jimmy. He decides to go back to the 
plebe lands and he all this try he's trying to get back to rejuvenation to find something he's trying to get supplies he's looking for like food. food and yeah medicine and he, shit he's tricked the he told the quakers that crake demands they give him a fish every week to eat and and then at one point he's like i should have fucking told him three fish <laughs> i'm fucking hungry <laughs> I feel like he could just change it and they believe him, but you know. Well, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to abuse it because he's like he's afraid that he'll push too far, and they're like, "We don't need this guy anymore." Um, but they also take it very literally, and like sometimes they bring him like a guppy, and he's like, "This is not what I meant." <laughs> uh, God, you stupid literal bastards! We also failed to mention the most important part of the book is that the male crakers twice a day stand in a big circle around the camp. <laughs> <laughs> and they just pee as a big group activity because the scent keeps away predators with their pheromone pee. I just felt that was important to notice. What's the symbolism of that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, they Well, you know what? I think, here we go. Uh, I'm in my English high school class again. Man has, uh, you know, pissed on the world so much uh, and pissed... Mm. They're so pissed off at the world that it's time for them to piss on the world. Yeah. Something there's something there. Well, in the in this book, Craig <laughs> gave them that because he's like, really the men don't have anything to do because, you know, the women have the kids and they don't really need to hunt because they just eat grass. So we gotta give them something to do. So they do this pissing thing. He also made them uh Craig made them part rabbit. Or at least some of them are part rabbits, so they have to, you know, like eat their partially digested plant turds. I've lost track of where we were. So anyway, this is basically the very end where Jimmy he like sort of walks, he like makes a trek into the you know destroyed. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. He's having this destroyed journey like, city throughout thing. the whole book. Yeah, he's, he's kind of going back and forth, and then he like has to like fight off a uh, pigoons, and then at one at one point he there's a radio. There's like a crank radio, and he cranks it, and he thinks he hears somebody. Yeah, and then he leaves it behind. He's like, whoops. Yep. <laughs> so that will come back in the next book. But uh, he cuts his foot, and then he like gets it. He gets infected, and, and like really fast. And of course, because there's no medicine, and he has to walk everywhere. It's, it's horrible. But he manages to make it back with a little bit of medicine, make it back to the Krakers. And then he basically sees that there are some other people there, like other actual people came. There's a fire. And then it's like the end. And then it really doesn't tell you what happens after that. Because that is the subject of the next book. He talks to the Kragers that there had been people there. And uh, the males all say, because was, there was girls that came to the camp, and it says, we offered her flowers and signaled to her with our penises, but she did not respond with joy. <laughs> like, got to imagine walking up and seeing these weird, multicolored, hairless, perfectly built humanoids and their magic waving blue dicks, and be like, I got to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> this is, I know the world ended really, and all, but... <laughs> it's like a frat party. <laughs> So then he creeps on them and is like, ah, people. And then I smell a sequel. <laughs> there is actually, throughout the book, constant reference to how smelly he is. So the smelling a sequel is inappropriate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, uh, the, and and the, the, fuck, the, the Krakers have been bred or whatever, engineered to have like 
those mosquito candle scents built into their bodies. <laughs> <laughs> citronella cit- glands. Citronella DNA. <laughs> All right. So, um, so for your first time, Mike, how, how was it as a first timer? So I think I said before, at the first quarter of the book, I was like, this is stupid and I don't care. And it really did not enjoy reading any of it. And then uh, I got to the it point. It was slow to start. I, I got definitely. to the point where they're like, like, what the fuck am I reading about there? looking at kitty porn this is really weird <laughs> like this like, what is this shit and then all of a sudden it switched to the part about oryx and i was like oh this is fucking way more interesting and then i was like but wait he's saying like he met or like how does that happen like then all of a sudden i was really interested and then the rest of the book was really interesting and i, I, I would like to read the rest of them at some it's point very steep learning curve yeah reading curve i don't know what it's called but yeah no i I, yeah it does there she does not hold your hand much for the creation of this world and she does a lot of there's a lot of stuff some of the words are kind of dopey the pigoons the whole trilogy my biggest criticism is every like company name and sci-fi name and like like the spray gun and its virtual bullets unexplained i really want to know what that means I don't think it ever gets explained because it's just like those are those are dumb. The story's great, but some of those names and like the sci-fi technology is like what? No, fuck off. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know enough about the technology of like gene splicing and shit, though. I mean, that was all like rather practical. I just didn't understand what. Oh, it's, it's a future gun, uh, virtual bullets. Like, what? well, there are there are weird things like governments trying to make like like a. Guns that basically shoot out like ultra uh, infrared heat rays and shit like that, where they don't actually use bullets. Lasers. Oh yeah. Well, not even like late. Like, just like a thing where it like makes you feel really hot, and you just like run away. Like ah, oh, it's hot. And it's, like, there's no flame. <laughs> there's no. I'm telling you, I've seen, I've seen stupid yeah, documentaries. No, that's, like yeah, that's, that's what true. the History Channel shows. There's no history. It's just, yeah, like, I, I can guns. like heat rays. Th- those are for like thing. Yeah. crowd control. Sure. Yeah. Whatever. Those are repelling crowds, not like winning a battle. If you have shoot enough of them, you can repel a bunch of you, whoever you're fighting. So, I liked it. I did like it. It was it was it was a slow start, and I was telling my wife as I read it, I was like, "These fucking guys made me read this shitty book. <laughs> so dumb. We didn't Dang. choose this. I, I, the I, viewers, man. listeners, listeners chose this. We do not have a video show. Uh, <laughs> they could look at the screen. It just it's just the same picture. Open the pod, download the podcast and, and open it in Windows Media Player and send it to <laughs> <him>. <laughs> um, But then all of a sudden, I was like, uh, it, it literally, you know, I didn't read the book in one day. Uh, the next day, I mentioned, I was like, you have to read this book. So it went from this book sucks to, oh, you have, not only do I like it, but like you should read it. It's really good. So I, d- I really did enjoy it. It's, uh, this was my second time and Nate's second time. Uh, this was the only one I really remember the finer points of. I remember the second one, kind yeah, of. I remember I, like the I, gist I, of it. The third I one, it's pretty. I'm I'm blanking quite a bit on the third one. Also, I also remember the third one, and blanking on the second one. I can't remember which one is the one no, the, about the cult. The, this the second the, the second one is about the cult for okay. sure. The second one, but and then the third book is very much just a continuation of the second book. Yeah, is what I felt because like the second one go. is like concurrent with oh. this one almost, mm-hmm. and then yeah, exactly. the end of the second one is the people in that group meeting Jimmy, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Spoiler. Yeah. Whatever. Fuck you. It'll <laughs> 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 be a few yeah, months till we read that at the, at the best, so that's fine. Also, 
So my number um, one question for this whole book. They mentioned a spider-goat hybrid that had <laughs> silk in its milk. A, a spagoat or something, Does right? that mean that in this universe, there is a superhero spider-goat? Maybe spi- it's a Spider-Man, <laughs> but it is in- yeah. out of his wrist, he just has like little udders. Yeah. <laughs> just, like, that's what he shoots, shoots the shoots web out wet, of. wet webs. And he eats tin cans. <laughs> <laughs> but it like super goat strength and speed. Is his name Billy? Yeah. It's Billy the goat. kid goat. <laughs> <laughs> no, just Billy the kid with two Ds. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was my only question. And some Everything of the names are really dumb. Like... Oh, the, the names snacks. are really terrible. Like, why is there a snake rat? Who made that? What was that? Well, that, the thing was, like, they rat. said, like, why did we make this? This is a terrible idea, and they exterminated them all. But everyone still, like, is scared that one got away and fucked some other snake rat. And they're just wild snake rats. It's like, it's silent and venomous, and it's a rat. It's like, great. Good idea. <laughs> Somewhere else had, like, a plague of... I think it was glow-in-the-dark gerbils or something like that. <laughs> uh, just the, rabbits, the rabbits glow. And then the rabbits that go. glowed got out and fucked the regular rabbits. So now all rabbits glow a little bit. There was um, I, the scene where, where, you know, so many different parts of this reminded me of other things we've read recently. Like there were parts um, that remind when when he visits the Watson Crick Universe, University Academy Institute, whatever it was called, wherever Crake is at nerds, nerd school. It made me think of the uh, erudite place in, in Divergent, where it's like yeah. all just like smart people. I'm like, oh, we're very smart here. We're reading newspapers and thinking about the issues. That episode will not have come out yet. Oh, that's, that's well, in the future. That's soon. We loved that book. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was great. Uh, <laughs> definitely read that before this. Definitely had a Divergent opinion on that. Uh, but no, we were pretty convergent on that. Yeah. But in that book, they didn't uh, grow chickens that are just boobs. That's the thing. I was thinking, <laughs> the, the, the chicken that they're growing, that is, it's like a weird chicken. Uh, it's like a sea mine. <laughs> just, that, that it's has like, like a tentacles. centipede. It's like a centipede, but it's all just chicken chicken breasts. Let's just like chicken torsos. There's one that's all breasts and there's one that's all drumsticks. No. <laughs> so the centipede would be kind of like, it probably looked like a coronavirus, really. That's what I was picturing. And then at the head, at the top of it, it's just like what they called the mouth. And he's like, dude, this is wrong. And he's like, no, there's nothing wrong with it. Don't you see? It doesn't They took have away a... its ability to feel pain. And they were like, yeah, those crazy, like, you know, animals rights activists, they got nothing on us now. It can't feel pain. Because in this universe, largely, there is no meat because the world has ended. So everyone eats, like, fake meat, which even in the future still sucks. Yeah, it's the thing. Like, they're, they're really amazing things, but they're still like, yeah, and the tofurkey still tastes like never shoe. never got past the Beyond Burger. <laughs> Technology be- just peaked with that. <laughs> they're not beyond it. <laughs> There's the at burger. <laughs> it's, just, it's just there. <laughs> I tried the Beyond Burger. burger. It's fine. It, w- it was tasty. I wouldn't yeah. say it tasted exactly like meat. It's a little like dry. Meat, but it was tasty. I will say that a regular Beyond Burger was much better than the White Castle Beyond Burger. Because the standard that you're measuring up against is just so extreme. Like, a Beyond Burger tastes kind of like a burger, just a little dry. But a Beyond White Castle Burger tastes nothing like a White Castle Burger because it's not rat meat. <laughs> I fucking love White Castle. I know. It's incredible. It's it's taking the best, years the my finest life, rat. <laughs> <laughs> 
Nate has still Only never the had it. Juiciest rats. Mm, like, nice wet rat meat. <laughs> it's snats, actually. It's, it's genetic. That would make a lot of sense. There were a lot of things in the book that reminded me of other sci-fi books, and I think that this book does the thing that uh, Nate's theory of sci-fi says that science fiction needs to comment on science and technology and civilization and whatever. And this is like heavy-handedly doing that. Does that. <laughs> yeah. Where it's like the world is ending because people are selfish and they want convenience. Well, then he ends the world to basically because he thinks that humanity is going to destroy what's left of the world. So he's like, I need to make a version of people that don't fuck everything up. So he just genocides everyone. Real question though. Why not? Why invent the people? Why not just get rid of all the, like, he, he planned on dying. So why not just get rid of all the people? Still a narcissist. He wants to play God, right? Like it's, he wants to make a bunch of hot naked people that do their penis dance and just eat grass. I mean, isn't Who it among us them? doesn't? Yeah. <laughs> like pros and cons lists, that's all pros, baby. Yeah, that, that, that part didn't, you know, hold up. That, though, that part also reminded me, remember that, uh, we didn't do it on the book show, the book podcast, but the, sh- uh, the less shitty recent Dan Brown book, Inferno, where the bad guy, it's just, mm-hmm. he, he creates a disease that will make random people inf- infertile to control the world's population. There's been many other sci-fi books that did that too, I'm sure. All the boner pills in this uh, were they were going to selectively. He's telling me he was telling Jimmy that they were going to selectively or temporarily sterilize people. Turns out the boner pills were all full of the diseases that destroyed the Earth. It's like ah, slipped one in on you. So it makes it makes you feel a little less bad for the people in the, the test subjects that he mentions where they had. Uh, they fucked themselves to death when they took the pills, and one guy had a boner that split in half. It was, it was, it's like a banana in, split. Intense priapism or whatever. Yeah, bliss plus another yeah, terrible bliss name. Plus, yeah, that, that and, and and actually at one point the character says it's a great name. Like, no, it's not. It's a ter- it's, it's garbage. Really no, it's a great story, Margaret. But uh, no, names are terrible. Cialis. That's a great boner name. <laughs> It's a boner pill. Boner pill. Oh, yeah. As a, uh, I think it was Dennis Miller's joke. Was, it was named after the creator's wife. See, Alice, I told you it would work. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So clearly, she's making a lot of comments about the world as she saw it in two thousand and three. You know, just in time for now uh, about <laughs> technology and our dependence or abuse of it slash the environment slash animals each other oncoming apocalypse it's cheery it's a bleak series it's very bleak very 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 dark uh another fun thing to think about when reading science fiction is sort of like well if it's older science fiction is sort of like uh well what did they get right whereas this is not although market atwood apparently didn't call this science fiction merely speculative fiction that's what pretentious writers we've talked about that at some point I yeah, think. on episode two, which is our episode on The Handmaid's Tale. Oh, yeah. All right. There you go. But anyway. I remember that far back. Um, yeah. so, some of the, so since this is takes place in a future that is clearly not even... Well, well, it hasn't happened yet, and this book is very recent. But still, I think she's right that biotechnology is going to become m- more and more and more important. And in fact, since this book was written... 
was the has been the invention of this thing called CRISPR, CRISPR which CRISPR is an acronym Glover? that stands that, for. Yeah. <laughs> It's an acronym that stands for who knows what, but it literally it's a way to much more effectively edit a genome because it's it's sort of like they took a piece of a virus that found a specific spot in a genome, but scientists can like tell it go to this exact spot and make this exact change, and so it's much much more effective. And so in the future, not only are people going want are people will want to have their children who are, you know, going to have children want to have their children to have genetic enhancements and stuff like that, which could be at least possible at some point in the future. Uh, but another way this book is actually quite accurate or the, what she wrote about is definitely possible is the, the invention, the disease that wipes out humanity, how it was engineered in a lab. Now this isn't possible yet. Just ask Wuhan. <laughs> yeah, right. Not possible yet, and definitely coronavirus wasn't. Except someday, and here's an idea I took from uh, uh, a very pretty famous popular book right now. It's called Sapiens, A Brief History of Humankind by Yuval Noah Harari. In that book, or one of his other books, he said, he speculated that at some point in the future, someone will invent the equivalent of the 3D printer for the genome, so that Anyone a in biotech labs, you can you know have a gene sequence like a whole gene gene genome gene sequence on a computer and just have it printed out more or less. I mean, it's still tiny, but have it printed out and put into a cell, and you can make whatever you want. And once that's invented, it's only a matter of time before somebody combines smallpox, Ebola, AIDS, coronavirus, and makes a super disease. And and it's sort of only a matter of time till that either gets out accidentally or on purpose. Another thing Margaret Atwood definitely uh, got correct is how shitty the internet would be. But she was way too late. The internet got shitty way faster. I mean, really, 2003? The signs were already there. When did YouTube come out? 2008? 2009? YouTube's like 2005. Maybe Google purchased it in 2008. Yeah, that sounds right. Because uh, 2005 was when me and Mike finished high school, and Nate, you were just in the cusp of your second millennium. <laughs> YouTube was founded in February of 2005. I don't know when it became a big thing. Because in 2005, it was still like that or Daily Motion. <laughs> but it was. Google bought it in six, 2006. Oh, well, there you go. But she never mentions cat videos. So she didn't get it 100% right. She did She did uh, <laughs> predict that it would mostly be used for porn. That was already true in 2003. Like, that was... But she, she figured out that would become, like, way worse stuff would become pretty, pretty accessible right away to kids. She didn't know about a Tor browser. And with <laughs> kids. Yeah, that's really... Well, like television, also on the internet, the more extreme something is, when something is controversial, then people talk about it. And then whatever it is gets way more, you know, exposure. That's how Donald Trump got elected president. It's true. Thanks, cable news. You made that happen. Oh, don't forget Facebook. Facebook made that happen as well. Thanks, Mark. Mark and the lizard people are doing their best. 
Um, so anyway, there's there's a lot of science in this that is obviously she's not a scientist, and she's this isn't a hard science fiction book in terms of like super accurate scientifically detailed science fiction book, but still uh, she's pr- at least right about the potential. It's within the happen. realm of possibility. It certainly is. Uh, according to Wikipedia, Margaret Atwood called this speculative fiction because, because it does not deal with things we, quote, we can't yet do or begin to do. As far as, like, science fiction is, like, she's saying science fiction is things that are just, like, way super impossible that are basically magic. But this is not that impossible. This is kind of much more much more possible. So she calls it speculative fiction. Doesn't that feel like some some hair splitting? I mean, she's not the only sci-fi or speculative person to use that term nowadays. I think it's more common among writers of it. Like a lot of them use that word now. I I don't know when it happened, but she's not the only one. I think it's used by writers who don't, you know, because sci-fi fantasy has a, you know, stigma being nerdy books with like elves and you know pulpy and i think they're they want to write in that sort of world to a degree but they don't want to be lumped in with that and speculative as a way for a sci-fi writer to write a sci-fi book but not be lumped in with you know space lasers and you know you know lame shit from back in the day they're trying to like create a new genre that's i don't know that's what it feels like to me it feels because could be this is a sci-fi book. Like, come on. Like, this is not... I've There's read a lot of futuristic science in it. I mean, it's not that far futuristic science, but it still is. I have read books that are quote-unquote sci-fi that have less science than this. You know? Frankenstein? Frankenstein has <laughs> almost no science. It's just mostly a guy crying the whole time. Like, I'm so weak. <laughs> uh, I would say Never Let Me Go by Kajiro Ishiguro. It's no less science in that than this does yeah i wouldn't be surprised though if that's called a speculative fiction book by the way he actually is just came out with a new book which sounds more science fictiony i've still only read that one i've read i've read three three of his books at least they're good they're all just like oh i feel bad about everything now it's not gonna end thanks dude so who should read this book i would say certainly anyone who likes sci-fi to start or no. speculative fiction. Now, I would say, yeah, anyone who likes science fiction or science-y books, for sure, then I would broaden that to dystopian books. Or, okay, so it's somewhat related, if you liked The Handmaid's Tale, would you like this? You know, I couldn't help but compare it to The Handmaid's Tale as I was reading this. And um, another book of hers that came out, we never did on the podcast, but The Blind Assassin. Did you ever read that book? I did, yes. No, That's the one she won the Booker for the first time, which came out in like 2000 or something, or 1999. Apparently, this book, Oryx and Crake, was shortlisted for the Booker. Oh, yeah. she's She puts out something. It gets, at the very least, long-listed for the Booker. She's just a a shoe-in. This reminded me of of both of those books. The Blind Assassin, I don't really want to do on the podcast because it's really long. It's like 600 pages and slow. But great, uh, if you like Margaret Atwood. I, I, I noticed a lot of similarity. That was like the book she put up before this, or maybe like two books before this. You know, we talked about, uh, what's her fucking name? Joyce Carol Oates and Hall. And she 
puts out a book every 14 months. Margaret Atwood's not much slower than that. Margaret that Atwood's, many? Margaret Atwood's ridiculously prolific. She she's put out a shit ton of books. Uh, but in terms of the handmaid's tale, like that's a similar. I mean, there are similarities, right? They're both sort of post breakdown of society, totally different means and responses. But you know, the setup is is similar. You know, what happens when society totally collapses, civilization fails and crumbles? And in the Handmaid's Tale, it was all a focus of uber conservative and religious zealotry, and here it's scientific manipulation and nerdery <laughs> it's nerdery nerdery i think that the handmaid's tale reached out to a much wider audience than this definitely will and a lot of her other books did so if you liked it you might like this it might also be this is way more sci-fi than handmaid's tale way more so okay. it might not be everyone's cup of tea, but still good. I think even if you don't like sci-fi, it's still good. Yeah, that's the last thing I'd say. If you really like sci-fi, then you'll love. You'll probably really like this book. And if you don't, you still have a good chance of liking this book. There's still a lot to like. And the science parts are not so... It's not hard sci-fi, as Nate said earlier, where you're like, all right, this is, this is a little too technical. It's pretty, you know... You can just accept it. Like, okay, cool. We're in that world. That's what's happening. I can just read on to the next plot point. I don't really need to worry about the genetic splicing of a goat and a spider. Or whatever. <laughs> I, I think I think anyone who likes literate, like a well-written book, should give it a chance. Just just wait until you're about twenty five percent through before you make your decision to quit reading it. Yeah, if you can make it through the beginning, you'll be fine. Tell us what you thought. Send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. Or follow us on Twitter at DrunkGuysBC. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at DrunkGuysBookClub. And if you've listened this long, please uh, leave us a review wherever you are listening. Just round it to five stars. One for each uh, extra kidney a pagoon grows. And if you could visit us at patreon.com slash drunkguysbookclub. If you want to support the podcast there, we'd appreciate that as well. And check us out on Goodreads and be our friend. I got a new one just today. Me too. It's Me probably too, the same I think. One. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? It could be you next time. Yeah. And check out the Hopped Up Network, a network of independent beer podcasters. And thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.